0: My name is Jack Barr. I'm with the Vortex Podcast. Welcome to our Valentine's Day special. Uh, we have with us two guests. We have Marissa Childs. Hello. Uh,
1: hi, how are you?
0: And then we have Helen O'Malley.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: Hi. Uh, would you guys like to say anything about yourselves?
1: Um, I am an adulting <laughs> African American female romance writer, uh, I write interracial romances. Um, most of them are very self-discovery alike, and I just graduated. That's good. Mm
2: -hmm. Hey, I'm Helen. I'm a creative writing major with a minor in art. I graduate not this semester, but next semester, and most of my writing, my romance writing, is about lesbians and lesbian relationships. And then it also usually contains, um... An element of chronic illnesses, which is something I've dealt with a lot um, during my high school and um, college experience.
0: All right, that's great, thank you, Marissa. I know that you uh, you told me that you especially write stories from the girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. How uh, is that process? Like, how important would you say that is for you?
1: I think when you write, for me right now, being African American female writer means especially when you are creative creative writing, it means that you're putting yourself in an environment that is majority white. Um, and for me, the only way right now I'm restrained to write from a female perspective because I'm still trying to figure out what my voice is in my own writing, um, who I want to talk to in the audience. Do I want to talk to African-American women or do I want to talk to all women? Um, and because I grew up mostly reading white romances, uh, for me... A lot of times, if I read black books, like if I read Zane or something like mm-hmm. that, which I never do, but, <laughs> 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 but if I do, I end up catching things that are just not a part of my writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it very difficult to figure out who my audience is and who I want to be in my writing. And so for me right now, I'm just kind of restrained to that. But if we're talking about empowering women when it comes to writing, I think it's a very um, a normal thing. To write from a female perspective, being a woman, because you only know that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Dr. VanderSlice, uh, John, he kind of put me out one one semester. I had him for novel writing, and he was writing a story with a black male lead. And if anybody knows Dr. VanderSlice, he is not a black, <laughs> a black male lead man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he's very, he's very white. Oh, <laughs> um, when he was writing the story, I remember kind of being like, yo, I have no, I had no problem with it, but I knew that there was going to be, there were going to be some stereotypes that he was going to have to figure out how to maneuver around. Um, and their stereotypes that only really white people know. And so that's, a, that's all they can really deal with when they write yeah. a black male character. Um, but he did make me feel more comfortable um, and writing in the, in the white male perspective, because I do write stories with white males as elites. Um, or I did when I was in high school and I wasn't forced to write anything else. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I kind of felt more comfortable at that point to be able to, I don't know, feel like it's okay to not really know. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not really know about stereotypes and, and not really know about the opposite sex in a different culture. Because it's all about imagination at that point. Uh, but to to write in a female perspective is, is really, it just depends on the story. So, like, the book I'm working on right now is um, basically black diary entries. But from the female perspective. And they're very, like, uh, they're, like, the deepest, darkest thoughts of an African-American girl. That you will never hear them say out loud. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to write that specifically in their perspective one because I have those thoughts and it's easy for me to put them down on paper but also two because I think black people are worse a lot of us are still stuck in the slave mentality and so right now we're all having this internal battle of uh self-doubt and lack of self-esteem and People are always, especially in the black community, people are always talking about the black male fragility, Mm -hmm. but they never talk about the black woman's fragility and how hard it is for her. And so I think that that's the book that I really want to put all my frustrations out on, and I think it can only be done in order to get that message out there that we also go through pains. And even though a lot of people, even outside of the black community, see us as strong, statues that you can just throw your coats and your troubles and your problems on we have our own issues and we have our own lack of self-esteem you know um so for me it depends on the story all that to say it depends on the story and also depends on what you're going through as a writer uh some people some women can write only from the male perspective (laughs) which is really weird um and some women can only write from a female perspective and i think it just depends on the writer
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely, like, what they're more in touch with. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong about this, but I know the book Ruby Fruit Jungle, I'm pretty sure it's from an African-American girl's perspective, mm-hmm. and it's a LGBTQ, so definitely, like, those very complex intricacies and those different perspectives need to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pe- writers are definitely very afraid of being personal and, and either like they don't want to be too reflective they don't want to write exactly where they're coming from but i feel like sometimes that's necessary especially what you mentioned with the inner thoughts that are not spoken aloud by african-american women mm-hmm. i i just think it's very important i loved your answer by the way it that does that's oh, very great
1: thank you <laughs> uh yeah i have to agree with that uh well i've always been i think maybe joan would definitely agree with what you said like When it comes to writers, we try not to be as reflective, right? I'm one of those writers that everything I've ever done and been a part of is reflected in my writing because Mm -hmm. that's all I know. Um, When I was younger, from, like, third grade to fifth grade, I was homeless. Um, And so a lot of my writing, uh, one of my biggest fears is becoming homeless at the age of 21, which is (laughs) likely... um, (laughs) um, (laughs) It's kind of likely just because I'm out on my own and now I get to make my own decisions as an adult. Um, And luckily, I have a family that has my back at all times. But anything could happen. I could go crazy. Who knows? And that's one of my biggest fears. And so in my writing, that's what I write about. Mm -hmm. Those fears of being homeless, not having food to eat, never finding a boyfriend because I've never had a boyfriend. So never actually getting a boyfriend. Never truly being able to express myself as myself. Uh, because even now one of the one of the biggest issues i don't not a lot of people talk about this i think mostly especially when you major in writing as a black girl black people are not expected to do creative like writing things we're we're great artists you can be great artists mm-hmm. writing making painting doing all those things but because especially when you get into college it's one of those things where you're expected once you get into college doctor lawyer Something something legal like you're expected to do things that go beyond what you were told that you could originally do because of course the stereotype even in 2019 is still black little boys can play basketball where they can become rappers Mm -hmm. black little girls (laughs) we don't really grow up getting told we're gonna become much of anything like a mama (laughs) but and that's still the talk in 2019 so when you actually get as far as going to college and graduating you're not expected to go in doing something as wishful and hopeful and dreamy as writing. Um, And so you don't really get to hear a lot of times the conversation behind what it's like being an African-American female writer. And I think one of the biggest things is like being somebody that is still trying to figure out what it means to be that. Like, do I use this word or do I use this word? Like, especially in romance writing, when it comes to sex scenes, for example. (laughs) Like, the way black women write a sex scene in the way a white woman write a sex scene are completely different they can be both the same amount of nasty but 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 they are com- they use completely different words yeah and and completely different things are important in the in that situation in those situations and even black romance black love and white love can be completely different and so for me trying to figure out What that means, even though I've never experienced any of it, is trying to find a balance in between the two because I've had to deal with being black, but I've also had to read white romances. Um, And so trying to mesh those two together and use as much of my my imagination as I can, it's kind of one of those things where I have to rely on outside things or my own experience. I can't really just hope I'm getting it right. And mm-hmm. I can't. And I think that a lot of times when it comes to like not, uh. not trying to be close to yourself when you're writing, I think it comes from like um, being afraid. Like that's a fear of its own. Some kind of fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not trying to uh, use other people's experiences. Because even I'm a nonfiction writer. I love nonfiction. Oh my God. Um, I'm a nonfiction writer. And so we're <laughs> trained to use our own experiences. But there's the people who sit in class terrified of telling people certain things about their life. And so I try to apply the same things I learned from nonfiction to fiction, which is very weird for other professors. Um, (laughs) But it helps me. It helps me get outside of a fiction box. And it forces me to use things that only I know about. Otherwise, um, I'll be lying. Um, I'll be lying through my fiction, and I really (laughs) don't like doing that. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, Helen. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I I know that you uh, write very personal stories. You mentioned mm-hmm. the um, terminal illness right. uh, thing. How do you feel that that perspective and those unique factors play into your romantic writing, or um, your writing in general?
2: Well, I feel like let me see, let me think about this for a second. Um. In a lot of my poetry, I feel like especially, I'm very familiar at this point with hospitals, and I know how they t- they tend to work, and I know what it's like to be frustrated and to be hooked up to an IV 24-7, not ever really be- being able to sleep. So I feel like when I'm writing, I... Um, that I can kind of portray that sense of misery that comes from being in a situation where you're kind of, you're powerless, you're, you know, everyone thinks there's something wrong with you, sometimes they're right, Uh, that you have to, there have to be accommodations to the things you can and can't do, like taking a lot of medication or having to go and get lab work done once a month even the cold i had right i have right now i had to go into the doctor to see to make sure it wasn't the flu because i have a suppressed immune system based on one of the medications i take for my ms and so it makes even these having a chronic illness makes even these little things about your health into kind of a big deal and so when i'm writing a character i want to portray someone who has a lot of obstacles to come to deal with not even just with illness but in a situation of powerlessness or Mm -hmm. um with just being kind of the odd one out when it comes to health or the situation that they're in i think that's when it that's where it comes in the most in my writing Mm -hmm.
0: i i will uh say for the listeners you are very brave for arriving here today with a a cold thank you so much for being here um (laughs) Now my only experience uh, with romantic literature and death, or more, or the um, fear of the end of mortality, is unfortunately uh, the fallen stars. But <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was it was it uh, was what you were saying, and was making me think about the idea of fantasy or fantasy with love and the reality of love, because for people who are terminally terminally ill or. Um, are not expected to live long lives. They don't know if they will have that strong love in their life or that strong right. relationship with another partner. So it is very interesting to to explore that.
2: Yeah, it creates a sense, I think, of desperation because you're like, I don't know how long I'm going to live, I don't know what complications my chronic illness is going to cause me, and I don't want to seem repulsive or, you know, kind of unattainable because of, you know, a short lifespan uh, to potential partners. And so that's where I think that sense of, you know, like nervousness, um, uncertainty comes into a lot of the characters that I write in my literature. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm also wondering how that plays into the um, personal identity of, of being LGBTQ uh, do, you, do you feel like that plays a factor into the terminal illness, or do you think it's a, it's, its own unique factor on its own that plays a very important role in your writing?
2: Uh, that's also a good question. Um, usually when I'm writing about uh, lesbian experience, I usually I take from my own experience because I'm a lesbian, and a lot of the things that I write about I, are things I've personally dealt with um but that usually doesn't include much about my terminal my uh chronic illness aside from the aspects i listed earlier so i don't know if if it plays a specific role in my uh lesbian fiction instead of just my fiction in general Mm -hmm. is what i would say to that i I think
0: (laughs) yeah that i i feel like i was trying to go somewhere with that I, i guess i was trying to um branch out with the uh, lesbian identity because you've definitely got a lot of unique, different, very different factors in your writing. And I think it's neat that you can explore each of them individually and and play them out like their own tree like they, they branch out individually. Mm-hmm. So So uh, we discussed like the, f- the fantasy of of love versus the reality. How do you think that that same concept can apply to your uh, lesbian writing? I, think, I sorry
2: oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to fantasy lesbian writing to re- reality is that in reality there's a massive stigma against lesbian relationships. even in progressive uh, media like TV shows or literature, it usually ends with um, you know the characters being killed off the you know the barrier gaze trope. Um, Or, you know, if it's, if the media features a bisexual woman, even if her bisexuality is mentioned, she usually ends up with a man. Mm -hmm. And in fantasy lesbian writing, you don't have to worry about that. Because you can write a story where, I mean, even if you want to include the stigma, it doesn't have to take, you know, you don't have to constantly be talking about how your relationship is you know, looked down upon or, um, you know, family or uh, friends will try to, I guess, prevent it. And you can just write, you know, a normal romance focused on normal romance things instead of making it an explicitly, you know, like a sad kind of depressing story about lesbian relationships. I mean, they're definitely not all, you know, sad in real life. But I just think when you're writing a fantasy, it's a lot easier to explore, like, stereotypical romantic, like, tropes. Because you don't have to worry about that extra factor of um, being in a kind of a a stigmatized relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. That's terrific. Thank you. So romantic literature has definitely evolved since... I'm not sure when I can accurately uh, say its introduction was. I guess we can start with Romanticism in the 18th century in Europe. How do you two feel like Romantic literature has evolved or changed, uh, I, I guess, now that we are in the 21st century?
2: Uh, I think there's been a big shift in gender roles to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you read literature, Romantic literature, from even as, or as late as the 20th century... It tends to be very, you know, girl, girl meets or boy meets girl, very, um, you know, submissive, dominant roles. Um, and, but then in the 21st century, even though you still have a lot of that, you also have a more and a lot of uh, romance, uh, even aimed at kids. I feel like you have more of an equal relationship. Like, these two people are on the same level. No one's being looked down on, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Like, you definitely want to portray um, equal ideals to children because they're being exposed to this at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I know that there is um, times where a lot of heterosexual media is portrayed, and it seems like, oh, this is the best way. This is the Right. right way. and. It's, it's almost unfair to all these other people who just don't fit in those boxes, who don't fit in those perspectives. So definitely, like, with the evolution of our culture and, the, and progressiv- progressivism, uh, it's, it's definitely helped expose these ideals to younger audiences.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's also, there's a lot more literature written by openly gay authors about gay characters because gay people have always existed, always been writers, and you can see that in the 20th century, even before then. But a lot of the times, they couldn't write about that, like, when, with directly referencing it. Like, they would have to, you know, make me- make metaphors out of it, make sure that no one knew it was explicitly about being gay, except other gay people. Yeah. But now, in the 21st century, and I'm sure probably in the late 20th century, um, there's a lot more openly gay characters, openly gay relationships in literature, um, That so that fear of writing um, gay characters uh, and having to hide them, I think, has dwindled. Mm-hmm.
1: What I've noticed is there's this, like, huge movement, like, in, of interracial stuff. And of course, I think we both kind of just pay attention to our own little areas, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, I've noticed that there's, like, this huge movement for interracial relationships, and not just between black or white people, but black and Asian people, which is huh, the movement, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, all these... Of course, there's a new movie coming out. I forgot what it's called. Something by Nicole, Nicola Yoon. Nicola Nicole Yoon? I forgot what it's called. But I'm so excited about it. Um, <laughs> but we had something like well, Everything, Everything... Uh, Came out and yeah, yeah, and it was a really weird story. I remember thinking that girl ain't black, Um, (laughs) but 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 I think there's a huge movement for (laughs) interracial stories. And I told my mom yesterday, I was like, "Mama, I think I've I've graduated and I've risen in a time that's just right for me as a writer, Um, because the fact that there are so many books and movies that are openly being put out and put actually put in Barnes Noble." For people to purchase um, that are about black women loving men who are not a part of their own community, which is a really big deal because with going back to the black community now, uh, but the black community is really interesting. My mom is one of those black women uh, stuck in her ways, um, but she refuses. She refuses to let my little brother date a white girl. Like she's so hardcore about it. Um, And my mom. Is one of those black women who really loves black men. She loves the idea of having a black king. Um, She loves the idea of being a black queen. Um, And that's just kind of like some lingo for y'all. Yeah, I I mean, there's (laughs) nothing
0: wrong with that, but I... Yeah, yeah,
1: you see what I'm saying? Like, there's that box. Mm -hmm. Um, And that box really just comes from growing up and being told that's all you can have. Yes. Um, And so now, I'm in my household... (laughs) In my household, I'm the one that's, like, most likely to marry a white man. Uh, and people joke about me being, like, really um, not black. <laughs> um, um, and just because I'm willing to go outside the box. And it's really awesome. It's very encouraging to see um, a community of black women and black men who aren't afraid to be like, yo, you know, I, I love people outside of my community just as much as I love my community. It doesn't make me any less, um, pro-black if they are pro-black, you know, it doesn't make me any less pro-black, um, if I stay, or you know, if I go outside my community and I love somebody outside my community, it doesn't make me any more pro-black if I just marry a black woman or I just marry a black man, um,
0: you love who you love.
1: Yeah, you love who you love. Um, and I think it's really encouraging to see that kind of stuff on the bookshelves. Um, and in the movie theaters. Definitely in the movie theaters. Um, it actually gives me something worth watching in America. Because I really don't watch American TV. <laughs> um, but that also, like, something Helen said earlier, it kind of made me think about what, what it means to be a romance novelist. And what romance means. And I keep thinking about the audience, like what makes people What are even though romance is full of cliches ro- love is a cliche in yeah. itself um, and so it's really interesting to think about what keeps pulling people into romance and a lot of times I think um, it's hope it is hope but it's also things like this constant changing even amongst cliches like even amongst these huge balls of cliches there are constant changes in human beings and what they think love is and I think, for me, I keep, I keep getting pulled to romance because I feel like it's a... One, is something I didn't grow up seeing. Like, my parents are married, but they didn't have a happy, great marriage, right? And my my, my <laughs> father was in prison from the time I was in fifth grade until I got into my sophomore year of college. college. Um, my grandmother, I was raised by my grandmother off and on for a few years and she wasn't, she hadn't been married for years. Um, And so I grew up being taught and raised by black women. And they didn't really talk about romance, but that was something that I needed. I needed that kind of love. Not the romantic kind of love, but I needed a consistent love. And in books, romance books became that consistent showy thing. And of course they evolved, but it kept pulling me towards it because it was something I didn't have.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely an element to comfort that comes from romance novels when someone is in a situation where they don't have a lot of love in their lives or if, like, for me, they can't really find a lot of representation in actual, you know, media or even in real life when you live in some place like Arkansas. Probably Arkansas is not the best example because it's not as bad as places like Alabama or Mississippi, more in the deep south, where there's a more of a stigma against gay relationships. Uh, I know plenty of gay people and plenty of gay bars in in Arkansas, so it doesn't always feel like the biggest issue for me, but then you've got politics, and you know, it's a Republican state, but it's so you just end up not really having anyone to turn to. Like, I went to a Catholic school, and a, both elementary and high school. So I didn't even really ever go to a gay-straight alliance or have a lot of like positive adult figures um, that, you know, kind of helped me figure out my lesbianism. So when it comes to literature, you have the chance to read about this situation that is at the time impossible for you. You can find, you know, books about lesbians, even if they're you know depressing it's just kind of nice to see someone acknowledge that you exist without any sense of like repulsion or disgust
1: yeah and even for me like it wasn't that I like I didn't actually find interracial romance until I was in high school and it wasn't that good you know it wasn't (laughs) but I was so excited about the prospect of someone thinking the same way I thought That it was it was just Well, I was enamored. I was like, bro, this has this is amazing because I finally get an opportunity to uh, enjoy something that I think about, like what was wrong with it? You know, for me, I think. Books, books period have always been an escape for me, especially when I was like in fifth grade at the time I was getting bullied and I didn't have a shower <laughs> and there was no food um and and listening to audiobooks in our truck was like a way to escape from everything and so listening to romances is the ultimate it's you're getting a bunch of love and it might be squishy you know might y'all haven't seen squishy or W wt you watch anything Korean but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but it was it was good enough that it made me feel the love that unfortunately my my mom didn't grow up getting taught to give and my grandmother was too afraid to give and not that they don't love me and not that they don't show that they love me but there was a kind of love there that was that had no boundaries through books and and that I think that for me that's what pulls me to romance i think I'm thinking about, I keep thinking about John because John, every time somebody brings up romance, you kind of look at them like, stop, <laughs> don't do that. Um, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you get a chance to fantasize, imagine, and put as much lovey dovey as you want into it because everybody deserves that. Everybody deserves that. And, and I think everybody deserves a chance to really uh, define what love is for themselves. And for me, uh, interracial romances were are the next movement in defining a new level of love. I think, I think I think about this often. Black people, <laughs> we are. There are times when we say things. You know, we have that term woke. You know. Yeah. We have that woke term, and unfortunately, people don't realize this. But being woke don't mean don't doesn't it doesn't mean like I can just say what I want to say. Being woke means being intelligently knowing, knowing, being
0: aware, being
1: aware, but it don't mean you, you can just say whatever. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of times using the word woke, this has now dispelled the word intelligent. Like now we can just say whatever we want to say and think we know what we're talking about, but in reality we really don't. And there's no intelligence behind it. We're really just following the crowd. You see? And One of the issues, I think, that happens for black people still is that we have a way of kind of like setting a box around ourselves out of fear, out of fear and out of um, worry. Um, And so still interracial love is one of those things that's kind of like there's a box around it. For black women, when it comes to black men dating white women, there are still (coughs) black women who say things like, Mm-mm, that ain't work. That's not going to work. White women always trying to take all our black men, trying to like, take all our black kings. And, you know, and you have that conversation. Then you have... It was really strange because the conversation is very rare. But black women, being with any other race other than black men... First of all, black men don't care. <laughs> they're like, do what you want to do. I don't care because I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless. They're still men. Yeah. So they're going to do what they want to do regardless. But they black women have constantly put themselves in this block box of having to serve being servitude to a black man. I'm gonna say it like that. Some people gonna get offended, but it is what it is. Um, But being in servitude in a kind of way to black men that they don't even give themselves a chance. And so the conversation is rare. Me being, me being with a white man is rare. To see it is rare. You can find a black man with a white woman or an Asian woman or a Hispanic woman all day. But to be a black woman with anybody else is a very rare sight. And if you do it, it's because you have become so independent and on your own that you feel confident enough to do it. You don't feel like you have to talk to anybody else about it. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to... um, Battle with anybody over it because it's your choice. I've worked hard enough to get to this point, which is crazy. You shouldn't have to work that hard, right? But but you worked that hard and you've gotten to this point where you can do whatever you want to do, and you're at that not at the man's level. We're gonna we use Aristotle's human uh, chain of being, but like you're not at the level that a white man is at or at, that a black man is at on this great chain of being. But you've worked hard enough that you shouldn't have to explain anything, <laughs> and so. It's good to see, it's great to see stories where women feel like they don't have to explain and they're not at the, they don't feel like they're at that level where they don't have to explain, they just don't have to. Mm-hmm. I just love this person and, and I think that's a great movement. I think that's another level of, of battles and evolution in <clears throat> and, and romantic writing. I just think it's so powerful. Um, because it's, it's, it's kind of dispelling all these ideas about, even even the black ideas about melanin and the power of melanin and, and black empowerment. Um, it kind of, it doesn't, not that black empowerment is horrible. It's not, it's a great, wonderful thing if you're using it correctly. Um, and I, I think that stories like this, or stories like, like, like um, everything, everything, are good to teach to people that you don't have to be stuck in black empowerment. You don't have to c- convince somebody that you're beautiful because you are, you just are, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, that was great. I, I love that. I think uh, that's a good point to go off onto our next segment. Uh, now we are going to be talking about the world of fan fiction. So anyone who hates that term and may switch off right now, that's totally okay. You know, I I totally get it. It definitely has a stigma about it. Um, Basically, to any of our listeners who don't know what uh, fan fiction is, it's essentially uh, fan-written work based off of the original content or an original universe established by other writers. You know, if you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey then and you understand that it came... Or it originally derived from a Twilight fanfiction, then you basically kind of get the gist of what fanfiction is. Fanfiction can cover anything from uh, movies to TV shows to bands to celebrities. Uh, you know, there's all these different fandoms that are a part of this entire movement that, uh, according to my research, has actually been around since like the 30s. <laughs> which which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely different websites you can uh, go to to find this stuff. Uh, you can go to Fanfiction.net, Wattpad, which I don't think I've ever been on. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's um, crazy. I, I what, what was it? Um, the kissing booth. Apparently, that was based off of a Wattpad story. Wait, let's talk yeah, about yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about the <laughs> kissing booth. But um, by the way, that was written by a. British girl, and oh, it takes it place in sense. LA, so that's why everything's so disjointed, weird. Um, <laughs> so Wattpad, and then we have archive of our own, mm. Tumblr, and then mm. very specific websites and forums created for all these different fandoms, especially like Star Trek and the X Files, mm-hmm. like and wh- where that's where people could communicate. And they're like, oh, you know, this is something this is an idea I had for this episode, and this is an idea I had with these characters, you know. So it's definitely been a Thing for a while, but I, I think in our society and definitely in the professional literature mm. world, uh, people have been afraid to discuss it because it just has. There's so much of it, and it's and a lot of it is very, very unfiltered. So mm. people are generally uh, afraid to talk about it. Um,
2: it's interesting that you brought up Star Trek because one um, er, like one period of time that's associated with um, fan fiction, early fan fiction was in the 1970s where women who liked Star Trek used to write fan fiction physically on paper mm-hmm. and pass it around to each other in um, sort of, you know, like groups or clubs that they formed. And I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, like there's definitely this... It's weird how much like Star Trek has inspired uh, fan fiction. I was reading about something, this like fan magazine called like I think it was Spock-O-Rama or mm. something. Very, I may have just messed it up. But it was something very similar to where people just <laughs> submitted ideas they had because that's like kind of the beauty of science fiction is that you can just create all these different worlds and all these different characters. You can just make up a lot of stuff along with like fantasy, mm-hmm. and so to you kind of get the first step out of the way if you start it in this original universe and it kind of gets your creative juices flowing. Because there are definitely times whenever I'm watching a show or I'm watching a movie and I'm like, well, I wouldn't have the line like that. Or, well, or, dude. or, oh my or this character would not do that if, <laughs> if I was right. But But you're like, you know what? You know, someone got paid to write that, so you know what? They're doing better than me, I guess. Like, <laughs> like, like they, 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 they earned, I'm doing that in air quote, quotation marks, uh, <laughs> they earned the right to, to be there, so who knows? Uh, okay, um, would you guys like to share your stories now?
2: Um, um, do you want to go first? All she... right,
0: uh, so sure. before this uh, podcast, I asked our guests to find a very short uh, story that they found for whatever reason what however it piqued their interest uh to read and then we can uh discuss the stories afterwards
1: mm. uh I, am, I, I don't know if everybody knows what k-pop is everybody act like they don't um mm-hmm. <laughs> but i'm a k-pop fan and um i think we talked about this a little bit like i'm one of those people not really into fan fiction um uh, just because it's one of those things that for me i feel like it's um it can be really personal, like, especially specifically banned, band fan fiction. You're taking people's real life. Be- you're taking real beings and you're basically ma- manipulating them into what you would want them to do. And that's how it feels to me. It feels like you have a mini control over these people. Um, it's kind of like Bandersnatchism. So what it's called? I don't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Ban-
0: Black Mirror, Bandersnatch. Yeah, yes.
1: It's kind of like Bandersnatch. Like, <laughs> Bandersnatch are, like selecting all these things that this guy is going to do. And it, and I stopped watching it like 30 minutes in because I was like, I cannot do this. This is too much for me. Yeah. Like That's what it feels like when I read fan fiction about bands. Um, And my favorite group is BTS. Which, again getting they're going to the Grammys Behind on Sunday. Behind the Scenes.
0: <laughs> no. That's the English translation as far as I'm aware.
1: Oh, it's Beyond the scene. Beyond, beyond the, the scene.
0: I'm sorry. Beyond no, you're the good. Scene. Um, I I heard it behind the scenes.
1: Be, it's Beyond the Scene. That's like their uh, their their English brand. Yeah. The tra- direct translation is "Punkton Seungdun," which is "Bulletproof Boy Scouts." Um, <laughs> All right. I like that one more. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but they uh have a lot of fan fiction. <coughs> Actually, BTS created their own, eight a- BU which is a Punkton universe, which is an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. So as they're like telling, as they're putting out albums, they're actually telling an alternative universe story. Um, and I decided not to read that. I was like, you know, you like, hey, can I read this to y'all? Um, <laughs> but because it's not romance, I stayed away from it. But what we often do, especially ARMY, which is our fandom name on Twitter, is that people create AUs. Um, and today, instead of talking about BTS, I didn't plan on talking about them that much. But I decided to talk about BAP. Um, which is a totally different group um, And I don't know Why this girl wrote this story But I love this fan fiction This version because she's not using these people's Personalities directly And she's really not using the, For some reason the fact that they are The characters, the people that she's imagining As she's writing it It doesn't like carry out through the story You can't, you can't imagine those people Doing what she's writing But I think this is really awesome um, I think this story is on WAPAD yeah, get on my <laughs> Um Jack. <laughs> um, this story is called Dangerously in Love.
0: Is this the first chapter?
1: E, We're going to assume it is. Yep. All right. Um, uh, it's just from Cinderella's POV, so her point of view. The scorching water hit my aching muscles. I bowed my head and allowed the steamy water from the shower to drench my skin and seize all of the tension. With a drained sigh, I turned the water off and stepped out of the shower, walking into Takio's all too familiar room. As I got dressed in his bathrobe, I ran my hand over his pillow. I remembered the nights I spent resting my head on this here pillow. I threw myself down on the bed. I was tired, but I knew I wasn't going to sleep. Not until Takio got home. My head was too, was going too crazy. The thoughts bounced around inside my skull like a disoriented swarm of bees. The bedroom door opened. She stared into my eyes for a long minute. She was even more beautiful than what I remembered, even without her wedding dress on. "'How did you get in?' I stammered. "'Door wasn't locked.' "'Oh, he sent his wife? "'You're the wife,' I said in a blunt, soft tone. "'She cocked her head to the side and her eyes narrowed. "'And you are the wedding crasher.' "'We stared at each other, sta- stared each other down. "'The seconds ticked by. "'It was silent for a few heartbeats. "'I looked down at my feet again, unable to meet her stare. "'I then heard her laugh lightly. "'I came with some Chinese food,' she said, "'holding a takeaway bag ridden monks.' Ridden into monk's food and with that tension crawled out of the room and a warm air was invited in
0: all right thank you um helen uh you do you have a story prepared
2: i don't actually i haven't read fan fiction since i was very young the last fan fiction i remember writing was i think in 2008 but i do have a lot of things to say about Mm -hmm. fanfiction culture back in from around 2006 to 2008 it was okay fanfiction was a pretty I mean it's still a pretty big thing I'm assuming but back in the you know the mid-2000s fanfiction was not expected to be good there was not Mm. a pressure for the fanfiction writers to be good writers a lot of the time it was just so you couldn't get fanfiction about the things that you liked but one thing about fanfiction that goes back to my topic of um, uh, gay relationships is that a lot of straight women used to write Slash of the characters that mm-hmm. they liked. And although, you know, it's goofy and it's inaccurate because it's, you know, it's straight women writing about male gay relationships, um, yeah. it, on, it helped a lot of people come to terms with being gay or being trans. Because I when I read Slash, I was like oh, this gay relationship is so interesting. And then I got older and was like, what if I was in a gay relationship? It would be with a man, but it just kinda, even, like, even if it's not, I wouldn't say it was a big role in me finding out I was a lesbian, it was definitely kind of a point where I started thinking about it. And um, a lot of the trans men that I know also read Slash when they were younger and identified as women. And when they read these you know, stories about gay men, they project themselves onto the men and are like, well, maybe I am a gay man. So I think that even though um, mid 2000s fan fiction was goofy and not, you know, not well written, <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Fanfiction.net in 2008 was something else. Um, I think it was important in shaping a lot of people's identities, as silly as that sounds.
0: Yeah, I, it definitely, like, Opens the door to all these different ideas because whenever you get this open access to essentially play around with the these ideas, these characters, these universes, you're allowed to portray them however you want to, mm-hmm. or or read stories where they're portrayed however you want to. You can have a lot of uh, gender bent characters, uh, same sex relationships where they normally wouldn't be, um, minorities. You can you can rewrite the characters physically you can rewrite the characters personally you can you can even rewrite like the tone of the piece itself there's definitely like dark fics that i've i've heard about even though i tend to avoid them because i want to have a good time you know (laughs) know, reading so it's it's definitely i think it exposes a lot of younger writers uh to different ideas and different concepts and different ways to portray uh all, all these different writings and it definitely and in my opinion i think it inspires this especially uh someone like you and with your experience uh to consider writing and to consider exploring these concepts on your own because so many other people can do it and you look at the communities involved and they're all commenting i know uh, archive of our own uh, has like a kudos button it's, it's like oh kudos like, like you did a really good job i i, re- I really like this mm-hmm. and people are very helpful in the comments there's definitely people who are like oh you should have fixed this here fix this there uh, um i think you know i was about to bring up the martian then i realized it wasn't necessarily fan fiction but it was published right. on it was it yeah it was self-published Amazon. uh chapter by chapter and people uh, like with fan fiction people were in the were active in the comments active in the community they were passionate and they were saying oh maybe you should consider this maybe uh you should look at this scientific fact more. But other than that, like, they were positive and they were encouraging it. So uh, that's that's definitely a great benefit of of young writers being exposed to this is because it's, it's – it okay. No, In some <laughs> ways, it's a healthy environment to uh, start considering uh, your riding and considering where you go with it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> actually, um, there is a – a uh, companion to fan, to fanfiction.net, which is by run by the same people, called FictionPress.net, and it's for original fiction. And I used it a lot when I was in, when I was like a freshman in college, a senior in high school. The only problem with it is that it doesn't generate a lot of traffic. Yeah. So my stories never really received any attention. But with something like The Martian on a community like Amazon, I feel like it would it was much easier to gain a following and um help receive criticism for your work
0: yeah um amazon i can't remember what the name of the program is but they now like have a program like similar to self-publishing and kindles where you can just mm-hmm. publish your own original works and some people post fan fiction on there definitely with the um uh, popularity that the martian and i have to name it but 50 shades of gray received it definitely inspired all <coughs> this all all these people to explore these different venues and like, oh, I didn't know I could do this and make money (laughs) and for people to read it. Uh,
1: I'll, uh, I've never said this, well, I say it often, but I'm CEO of an editing company Um, and uh, I have a few writers that kind of, they're like, I don't know what I want to do. I just want to do something that puts these books out, especially in Arkansas. Like when you're in Arkansas, not everybody um, is down for the writing Um, and especially when it comes to fiction. A lot of people are writing memoirs, um, and they, but they still want to publish them. And, and a lot of times now I have to tell them, you know, self-publishing is the thing right now. Like, if you if you really want to get it out there and you're not really worried about how much money you're in at one point, you just want to get it out there.
0: If you know how to do your own taxes.
1: <laughs> yeah, self-publishing is the thing. I was it, just thinking about what Jack said about just the community part. That's why you need to get on Wattpad, Jack. Um, <laughs> Well, that is one of the funniest, I don't know if it's helpful, but it's the funniest community to be on as a writer, an amateur writer, because it gets tons of traffic. Um, and fan fiction, it, fan fiction wise, of course, most of the stories I read are interracial. Mm. Surprise. <laughs> um, but like mine are like Korean and black women, fan f- like f- fiction. And it's just interesting to read the comments. Because the comments, they're encouraging in their own way. What it does is it creates a community where everybody is feeling like they're connected. Um, Even if it's not, like, um, the best advice. Like, you should put a period right here. Or you should indent every paragraph. Um, It's still encouraging because you're getting, it's another way to get a chance to um, really experiment with those things that are not continuously being published. Um, because I, I don't really, of course, I've never worked at a publishing house, which is a dream, really. Um, but publishing houses all have their own dreams about what they think is going to help, I guess, help the world, help them.
0: Yeah, help um, sell. Help sell. From, from a financial standpoint. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so things like things about gender, LB, LGB, I can't, I can't say. LGBTQ, yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's, it's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> gender roles, things like that, aren't always with sales, right, at the time. Um, and I think right now, we're in the midst of the rise of everything civil rights. Um, and so that's what's selling. Um, but that doesn't mean... But that also is at the time that self-publishing is on its highest rise. And so everybody's like... I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna go through all this rejection stuff. I'm just gonna self publish and put my stuff on Wattpad. Jack, oh, <laughs> I'll put my stuff on Wattpad. If
0: there's one thing I will take away from this episode, it will be to go on Wattpad. I, I, I Okay, I will. I will admit quickly. Uh, whenever I, whenever. I don't know what Wattpad looks like as a website design. Mm-hmm. All I imagine is just like a tech software where people just like <laughs> t- I, type in there I and then they just submit correctly, it. Wattpad is very orange, but I haven't is been on. There.
2: It's orange.
1: <laughs> it's very orange.
0: The mm-hmm. orange booth.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's really bright. It's orange and white, and there are like billions billions of stories mm-hmm. some of them are just now being updated some of them don't they're not updated for a while because people you, what you get a sense of is that the authors are real people of mm-hmm. course yeah but they're are going through real life situations which makes the which makes the stories more desirable um and more realistic unfortunately and sometimes there's they're too realistic um <laughs> um and but it makes it more enjoyable and you you're in this community of people that really vibe with each other yeah. yeah
2: similar to um what i said earlier wattpad has a lot of stories that feature self-inserts which is so you imagine like you are
0: robert Downey jr <laughs> slash you yes <Yeah>, so <laughs> or the author like <laughs> and, you <laughs> think if, it's you, a if joke. you are no. you know,
2: if you're an 11 year old girl who likes the avengers And you want to picture yourself in a relationship with one of the characters. A very
0: appropriate relationship. Yes, let's hope so. (laughs) Yes. Um,
2: Then it's a a very, you know, it's a way to first get into romance literature, even if it's silly and, you know, childish. It's still kind of an introduction to what may eventually become, you know, their own romance Mm -hmm. stories.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Robert, you know, may just be taking you out just to give you, like, cheese nachos. And, yeah, that may <laughs> that may satisfy, yeah. like, you, yeah. like, what you want out of the scenario. <laughs> even, it,
1: I think even, uh, if we're talking specifically about WAPA, people take it, they take people that you would never know are celebrities. Like, models. There's this one guy that every black author, <laughs> when they write the interracial stories, he's a British model. And they use him for everything. <laughs> everything. Um, and really, uh, because on Wapad, you can put up the pictures of the people, right?
0: Oh, boy.
1: And so it's like you can you get a sense of who the person or what the people are supposed to look like together. And you just kind of go from there. Um, I don't ever just stick to the face. I'm like, I I'm make up my own characters in my head how they look as I go. But just that kind of control is so powerful because... Um, it takes your imagination to a whole new level. So now you're not just imagining what these people look like. You actually have to see them. You can put music up there, too. So, like, if there's a sex scene there's there's music playing, <laughs> like, like play Rise this Base at the same time. <laughs> yes. So, like, it's very interesting how powerful Wattpad is. I think it's owned by some somebody in the Philippines.
0: It's Mr. Watt. that who <laughs> owns it. Yeah. No, I think
1: it's a woman in the Philippines. I cannot remember, uh, which makes sense, because in the Philippines... Love is a whole other level. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it, different cultures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find I find fan fiction specifically be hard to deal with, just because most of the time when I see it, it has something to do with real people, um, who already have hard enough lives. They don't need you controlling theirs. Um, and I think there are a few times like where K-pop idols have like red <laughs> fan fiction of about them and they and kind of like especially <laughs> weird if they have
2: they're in relationships in yeah. real life mm-hmm. because then it's like you're like editing their lives or something it seems yeah. Yeah. odd
0: it, it, it's definitely weird uh whenever you know you see these uh talk show uh uh junkets where uh these celebrities are like oh i there's fan fiction about me i encourage it." it's like oh you don't know what door <laughs> you opened and uh Sorry to do this, Bond. This note, uh, I think we're out of time. Uh, Thank you so much. This has been a terrific episode. Uh, It's been great with uh, Marissa and Helen. Um, Real quick, is there any way that you would want our listeners to find you on social media or anything you have published?
1: Um, You're more than welcome to follow my editing company's Instagram. It's called Journey Writer. Um, you can find our website. Through, you don't once you get on Journey Rider on Instagram. That's it. You could just find it through through the website through that, or you can follow us on Twitter for Journey Rider as well. Um, I I, I will say email me, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, ask Jack. Yeah, he he got it.
0: Yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely if anyone emails the podcast, I will just send them on their merry way. <laughs>
2: Um, I don't have a lot of social media that isn't personal, so yeah. I r- <laughs> I'd rather um, not, you know, direct anyone to, like, my uh, Facebook or anything like that, but I'm always around campus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for, it, you know, the, the the amount of time that we still have you on, uh, that we're that's grateful yeah, to this, have you this on semester,
2: campus. this semester, last semester I'm going to be on campus.
0: <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunate, that's sad. <laughs> All right, uh... That's it. Thank you, everyone. I hope you have a good time. Thank you for listening.